Hey, so good morning. Today I have with me Wen Su. Wen is the founder of Wen Coaching, and she specializes in working with first and second generation female uh, leaders. Wen, welcome to Managers Club. Thank you, Vadal. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Wen, I'm really excited for our conversation today. But before maybe we could start out, could you please tell people a little about your journey uh, to become an engineering leader? Um, yeah, so my journey started actually 20 years ago. Uh, I am the first generation Taiwanese American and I came here for a master's degree in computer science. After I graduated, I was able to find a job with sponsorship. And after that, you know, I've been in the IC role for about 10 years and I moved on to a managerial role afterwards. And it is uh, actually the career path I've never thought I would be on <laughs> before because like, I am an introvert and I didn't see myself as a leader. So I enjoyed a long time quietness and, and really hardly spoke for myself. And that contrast with my own uh, impression. And I think for most people too, where you know, leaders to be charismatic, outspoken, confident, etc. So, and my journey changed when I have a manager who is even more introverted than, than I am. And she is one of the best leaders that I have in my entire career. And so she really challenged me. Uh, he really challenged me and he saw my potential for leadership and he challenged me to try try this out and I did. So that's actually the beginning of me becoming an engineering leader. When I love how you mentioned that you're introverted, right? A lot of engineers are introverted. Naturally, I'm introverted too. But I find like in the realm of management, being introverted can be a real challenge sometimes. So I have to force yeah. myself to be extroverted. How do you approach that or how did you overcome your introverted now? Thank you. It is a great question and it's so important to me because myself, I gone through the journey of actually trying to hide it and pretend, you know, I'm extrovert to actually embrace and see, you know, where is actually the special power of uh, introversion, introverted leader. We know, I think at the time, the American dream, I, I think still expect leader to be more extroverted. And at the time, um, I already mentioned my manager who is a great role model for me. And also there was uh, uh, an author called Susan Chan that came out with a book uh, called Quiet and she also had TED Talk. And basically it talks about how introverted leader is actually, you know, even it has its own special power. So I do that changed my own limiting belief of how intro, introvert uh, cannot be a great leader. So I started to dive into, okay, what really makes introverts great leaders? So the first thing for me is actually to look at the definition where a leader is defined by someone driven by deep-rooted values that they're urged to complete their... So nowhere in there it can mention anything about being in the position of power or being looked certain ways or have to be like outspoken, things like that. 
So to me, what really landed in me is the, the term deep rooted value, because I found, um, for me, especially I know for many other introverts as well, we take the spotlight, not because we enjoyed it. We do it because there's something that we truly care about and we believe that we are the best person to do it. So that actually was the beginning of me start to really diving down into, oh, okay, what is it uh, that I value? What is, is it that I want to stand for? So in that case, I was uh, helping the team to improve uh, enjoying the daily life, really make you know people's life happier. And to me, that's super important. And so for me to really be able to improve that, I, I started to do a lot of like course functional thing, communication, things like that, even work with the project um, product manager to come up with the template uh, for writing specs. So basically all I identify the inefficiencies between like how engineering team work together and that drive, that motivation really pushed me out of my comfort zone to even speak to the CPO, etc. So I think that's exactly why having something that's deep-rooted that you really want to change gives special power. Okay. I'm really interested that you work with first and second generation mm -hmm. leaders because like I'm a first generation immigrant. I'd like to ask you, how do you feel being first or second generation is an advantage or disadvantage? Oh, we can talk about this all day. <laughs> but to be very honest, it's really interesting uh, paradox. When I look back, 90% of my past managers are actually immigrant leaders. <laughs> and yet, like, if we looked at um, people who are really like on the top executives, they're mostly uh, non-immigrants. So for me personally, there are actually three phases that I actually been through. As I mentioned, I grew up in Taiwan. I was taught to work hard, keep my hands down, uh, head down, and just do not challenge authority. So I believe it's actually very similar in most Asian cultures. And to me, when I first uh, arrived in the U.S. at school, I have that cultural shock where, you know, the, the playbook no longer works and I needed to learn all the new rules. So initially, it is a, a big disadvantage for me, right? Learning the language, learning the culture, norms, everything. So it really challenged me to learn what I have learned before. And as I, you know, started to learn the new rules, I learned to fit in and Along the process of being at school, getting into a corporate work, I learned to be like more assertive, you know, more outspoken. And I asked for what I want directly. I keep track of my, like my contributions and speak to it. And I think it's, I just got rewarded because of all the things I learned how to do. I got promoted again in the IT track and then transition into the managerial track. So while it's great, I actually, in the end, didn't really feel happy or congruent because I feel like along the process, I lost a part of me or I feel like the need to hide it. Yeah, so for me, 
up to this point, I still feel like it is a disadvantage for me <laughs> to be an introvert, to have to hide part of me to fit in the norm that I think I should be uh, expected to, to do, especially I think as an engineering leader. And at that time, I got, I got myself a coach. And I started to really look into myself. It's a long journey for me to set myself and then start to choose like what works for me, what I want to preserve from my old culture. So to me, that's like, you know, empathy, humanity, and also what I want to, wanted to be part of me in the U.S. culture. And that to me is make myself heard and being proactive, things like that. So right now I kind of operate based on my own values and what works for me. And even now I'm thinking, um, yeah, a really good example is uh, how I show up. Like in Taiwan, I didn't show up at all because that's safer. It's more comfortable. In the U.S., I learned to speak up more. And now I transition into uh, career and executive coaching. Now to me, uh, I really want to be visible. So it's a very different mindset and also it's a journey. Right now, I actually leverage being an immigrant as an advantage for me because the first and second generation immigrant leaders like me is exactly the group I want to serve. So in that sense, I this has become an advantage to me. <laughs> yeah, so right now I talk about my cultural influence uh, instead of hiding it because I believe that the change starts from inside, but as we start to change the inside, I want to, at least personally, I really want to also help change the systematic like challenges that immigrants often face. Like right now, being on your pockets and talk about it openly, it is still very easy to see that being an immigrant, the middle career ceiling, it is very real. And we are seeing a, a model minority or like the best technical workers. But when it comes to like promotion, we really have problems getting to the top. And like in a very, in a study uh, in 2018, and I, I want to call it out because it is really alarming to me, where in the report, it says Asian Americans compose 50% of professional, meaning non-executive. And that number dropped to 29% in the executive role. So there is this about 20% gap where for white, it's actually completely the opposite. So <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, it blew my mind. I'm like, wow, it's like you, your color, your race, it, it, it is a disadvantage in the, the systematic level because we don't look like or sound like an executive, right? I, I read another book. Basically, we trust people who look like us more. And for, I know for Asian American, like the, the biggest hurdle is that we're just not seen as leaders and we're working like super hard, keep proving ourselves that we're there. I think it's also important just to raise that awareness and speak it out so people would know more. And that's also the main reason I now, you know, coach first and second generation immigrant leaders because I want to use my own impact to, you know, help those people to get, to go up and get ahead. And I know once we have more immigrant leaders, 
to be on the top, I know like they will in turn then change the culture and hopefully change the stereotype. I know it is happening, uh, but it's not <laughs> where I think we, we need it to be yet. Yeah. That's, I agree with you. It's so interesting, right? There's these stereotypes right. that people have. And like you say, there's it, like for Asians, the stereotype in some cases helps them. You're saying it helps them mm -hmm. at a certain yeah. level, but then it hurts mm -hmm. them at another yeah. level. And for some people, the stereotype hurts them all in everything. But it's just interesting, these stereotypes people have. And I want to come back to something you mentioned earlier, because I've seen this. Uh, it sounds like you would agree with it. I've noticed that in some Asian culture, for example, people are hesitant to speak to authority. They're hesitant to talk about themselves, their achievements. Mm -hmm. And so this can actually be an impediment in American culture, because in American culture, you're actually expected to speak mm -hmm. up for yourself. Yeah. So you would yeah. agree with that, right? Yeah, I I would agree. I I faced it myself, and and also I I know many other like Asian Americans uh think similarly. I think in the many Asian cultures that I know, like being obedient is actually considered like a good thing. Like you you work for your boss and whatever they tell you to do, you do it you know perfectly. That's like the best thing, and you wait or your boss to recognize you and, you know, give you that promotion that you deserve. I still many Asian Americans here saying, oh, if I needed to talk to my boss about wanting to be promoted, that means I should have found another job on the site because, you know, it's not recognized like automatically while it's just. Um, I used to think that way. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I started to learn like the American way of doing things. And, and I see results. And at the time, I, I didn't really understand it, but I think things started to shift more once I became a manager. Because from the other perspective, like no one really knows what you want. <laughs> In a way, if I don't speak my own, uh, what I've done, uh, you know, out loud, like even if the manager really cares about me, but they don't have visibility into like 100% of the things that I do, right? And, and I think for me to be more proactive and, and give them all the context, that's what I call, uh, I think there's also a book called Extreme Ownership, right? When you operate at this level and the manager operate at the top level, they have some thing that they oversee, but they also have like blind spots they don't see. And at this point, it's up to me to give them all the context that I have to help them make the decision. That's one in terms of what I do. And then the other thing about like promotion, speak to authority, things like that. It's also similar if I don't talk about my ideas. I don't, I'm, I'm not saying if it comes a time for promotion, your manager or your skip level like never really heard about you. <laughs> It's going to be really hard for your manager to put a case up for you. And then on the other hand, similarly, even if I want to get promoted, my, my manager will need to almost prepare the case for me, like making sure I have enough like contributions that they can talk about, things like that. So to me, like being able to get aligned uh, with my manager early on and really they didn't know, okay, my intention and my plan is to get promoted at some time. And that worked toward that. And I asked my manager, how can I help you help me? And in that sense, it gives 
the manager at the time to other relationships to build up the cases. And for me, I also can get like concrete feedback on what I uh, need to work on, etc. I often feel stuck. I have a few uh, the reports before as well. They're like come at the promotion time and they're like, oh, why am I not promoted? And then what? You never talk about it. <laughs> and yeah, we, we don't read people's minds. If you want something, talk about it, make it happen. That's definitely one thing that I learned and, and, and over time. And I think it is really important to be able to uh, speak to what you do, get feedback and, and be better. Even if we remove the promotion aside, it's just the process of learning, getting feedback and continue to learn, et cetera. I think that's way more helpful than just taking what's coming at you and then just finish then and expect things to happen. I'm really glad I asked you this question because you made so many good points, right? Like yeah. when you're a manager, you see it from the other point of view because the manager doesn't think about your promotion as much as you think about it. So you're actually yep. helping them by giving yep. them information by talking to them about it. So it's very helpful. That's what I always, you know, tell my staff. Like, yeah, I, I know what you're doing, mm -hmm. but it always helps you remind me, you know, about mm -hmm. these things and, and you're making their mm -hmm. job easier. So yeah, it's yeah. just great advice. Mm -hmm. Great advice. I wanted to talk about you work with women engineering leaders and you're a woman engineering leader too. So I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you about this. We always want to get more women in engineering, but it's like a leaky bucket, right? We bring women into That's tech. However, a large percent of them leave. So, mm -hmm. uh, why do they leave, When? <laughs> oh my God. I, yeah, this topic can, it, itself can be like a, a, a three day long conference, I think. <laughs> um, I can speak to my own experience and also like the, the woman in tech, like around me that, that I observe. Like for me personally, I actually started playing with computer at six years old. And after 20 years of working in the tech industry, I'm now doing coaching full time. <laughs> so in the static, I am one of the women in tech dropout, right? And for me, there, I always look at things, uh, like from like two aspects. One, I think it's still the system. But the other one is how um, women in tech, or I think that women in general kind of think about uh, things, how we talk to ourselves. I'm also uh, interviewing many women leaders, like in high positions. One thing that people keep bringing up is the imposter syndrome, how we feel like we need to be perfect. We need to be 100% ready before we ask for what we want. And automatically we think that we do put other people in front of ourselves. And I think all that actually prevents a woman from why showing up also to stay in tech because all this extra stress and that it is much heavier for us to feel like, um, like we're ready to move up. We're ready to ask for what we want. So I think that I, I want to start with this because I, I really believe that although system is there again, like it is improving, but at the same time, like if we can change 
from the inside out. We don't have to subscribe to all these rules that other people imposing us. We can become the same. So that's, I guess that's like really the main thing uh, that I would uh, love to help those immigrant women leaders do. And of course, like we think this way for a reason, <laughs> right? That's because of the systems, the environment, the family, et cetera, like all these expectations for women where we can really walk a very thin line, right? When we don't speak out, we're we're being seen as weak. So when we do speak out, it's very easy for us to be uh, commented as too bossy. There are so many examples. If I show empathy as a woman, I can be seen as not technical. It's a real fear. (laughs) When I like interview others, they're like, no, don't call me empathetic. Like, I don't want to be associated with that. And that just blew my mind. And other thing can also be like the expectation for women to do certain like group work that can divert women from like staying in the technical track. And those expectations and some of them really take a lot of energy. So like the DEI work, I know like many women are the main one in the company. Everything like really making effort to change that. And when they're being organized or they spend a lot of time like to group the team together, all those work might not be considered something, you know, that will help them get to the next stage. But at the same time, they're almost like expected to, to do it. And, and oftentimes people are happy to do it. But I, I just want to say like those work uh, might get unrecognized, especially in terms of career pro- progression. And the other one, I think really a lot more is uh, women can be continuously passed over for promotion to favor uh, hiring like white males from the outside. Not only me, I've seen it a couple of times in my own career and also for people around me. Like we were asked to uh, step up into taking more responsibilities, sometimes with or without being promoted into the role at tough times. And when things get better and the companies continue to grow and it almost things as if, okay, things are great now and, and they can be forced out. And I even heard things like, oh, especially for like Asian women, usually we look really young. We look really like fatigued and that can also have people say, oh, you're too young to play like the, the senior director role, et cetera. And, and I know I probably just give you a few examples. That's just a tip of no, the yeah. <laughs> you, you've given a lot, actually. I, I didn't yeah. want to interrupt you, but these are all yeah. amazingly great points. Yes, I, I agree. There's definitely a double stand. Certain mm-hmm. behavior, if a man does it, may be considered mm-hmm. a good behavior. If a woman does it, may be considered a bad behavior. It's just people's mm-hmm. expectation and definitely the glue work, right? There's actually an article about this, a very famous article about glue work and how yeah. glue work doesn't get you promoted. But someone has to do it. And so you're saying it yep. falls on women a lot. I want to go back to one of the very first things you said, though. Uh, you talked mm-hmm. about imposter syndrome. And, yep. you know, it's not just women, though, that have imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Men have imposter syndrome. I suffer mm-hmm. from imposter syndrome myself sometimes. So do immigrants yeah. and underrepresented yep. minorities. As a yeah. coach, could you just say a little bit about imposter syndrome? Like mm. what you can do to address that? Because I think a lot of people have that. Yeah. Yeah, such a great question because I, I face this, I coach people around this quite a lot. I'm a coach. So when I coach people, I actually like to provoke people's thinking. 
So many people, they're like, oh, how do I lose it? I don't want imposter syndrome. It makes me small. And I like to see it differently. Um, so instead of uh, uh, play small and don't feel that imposter syndrome, I would actually say when you feel that means you are playing something bigger. If you just stay in your comfort zone, you, you're not going to feel it anyway. So the, the fact that like we, we all experience it, that means at that point, you are playing big. You're heading into something that you think, oh, you might or might not be good. So to me, that's actually a good thing. So in a way, don't get rid of it. Get good at it. So basically, I think like accept that it's there. Understand what is it the like the bigger you know vision bigger things bigger role that you're stepping into and do it anyway because oftentimes i think having imposter syndrome um it's making us feel small and, and we don't take any like step possibly when we feel like paralyzed and if we don't see it as something that paralyzes us and instead trans, um rebrand it into something that and also, I, I think the, the biggest thing is really focus on what we want when the imposter syndrome comes up and focus on what we want instead. And there are many different ways imposter syndrome come up. And so perfectionism is another one. You feel like you always need to have the solution, etc. Wherever it comes up, also do a fact check. It's like, is that really real? Everything has to be perfect. So what does that even mean? Right? <laughs> And have a support system like built around you to also do that fact check. Yeah, so to me, there are like many angles uh, that we can get good at imposter syndrome. And everyone has different, I guess, like show up differently. Their imposter syndrome may be different. But overall, I think the biggest thing is to accept that you always be there when you play something bigger. <laughs> And then tap into what is it that you really want when it comes up and feel the fear and do it anyways. Yeah. And then okay. the it's probably surround yourself with enough support. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So I, what you're saying is imposter syndrome is a good thing in a way, right? Perfect. Reframe it, embrace yeah. it, go for it. Okay. We talked a lot about these, uh, the challenges that women have. Right. Mm -hmm. And all these things. Is there anything we can do to help women not leave to make them more successful as engineering uh, leaders? Mm. Yeah. Uh, great question. Things, I, I think this is a, a systemic issue. I think women need support. And I think at the, I think the biggest thing is to be intentional about like how you recruit women leaders into the company. And it really starts with stage one, right? Like how you write your job description. Cause uh, we own, we know that women often feel like we need to be 100% ready before we apply for a job, right? So the, the job description, super, uh, like star performer, that kind of description, it has nothing to do with what people would do, what kind of impact that will bring, but that kind of wording can be uh, scary for, for yeah, some yeah. women to, yeah, to not even I've heard that. that yes, yes, the wording, mm -hmm. non-inclusive wording. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So like really uh, carefully examine almost like every stage of your like recruiting pipeline, even like intentionally get involved in like 
women's groups, we know like women in tech, diversity. There are many such a group that can offer great talents. And when you be there, show up, they know about you as a company and you care about diversity, etc. It's so much easier to attract women and actually help maintain that culture if you are very intentional uh, every step uh, along the way. And I would say another, especially when we have those women already within the company, how do we help them? I often think that, especially this comes up after I interview other immigrant women leaders, what helped them get to the VP or the CTO role? There are a few things that people mention. One is sponsor, right? Having, doesn't matter male or female, being able to like sponsor and find that opportunity for women to advance in the tech industry. Uh, and mentor is another one, like providing different perspectives. And the third one is coaching, where uh, it can really help women remove that kind of like limiting beliefs, self-doubt, et cetera, so they can really reach their peak performance. So I would say provide this kind of systematic support. Uh, for women to be successful. And I think lastly, like I say, like every, uh, woman, especially, uh, woman with kids or with different like family condition, they will require different flexibility. So I will really say, ask the woman on your team, your company, what kind of, uh, true support look like to them and see if you can offer them. Cause I know, like, for example, I see so many women have the fear talking about their own pregnancy or really think that having kids it can be an impediment uh, in their career advancement and how do we change that so all those things i feel like are what one woman can ask for and you foster that environment for them to feel safe to ask without having to worry about their career i think that's also important wow when first of all, you've been like super generous with your time and I really want to thank you for coming on the Managers Club. And I, I can tell just by what you said, you really could speak mm-hmm. for hours on these topics. Like you, you, you have a lot, <laughs> you have a lot. So, yeah. so if people wanted to connect with you afterwards, right? If they wanted to mm-hmm. talk with you more about this, learn about you, learn about your, mm-hmm. you know, anything you do, what'd be the best way for people to, to reach you? Yeah, so now I'm running my own executive coaching company for first and second generation uh, immigrant female leaders. So the best way to connect me is on LinkedIn, uh, which I will adopt the, the link. It's basically slash when coaching and similarly at my website, wincoaching.com. You can find me there. Okay, I will include links to those. Again, Wen, thank you so much. It's been great to have you here. Perfect. No problem. Thank you, Vital. Thank you for providing the platform to talk about this issues. Because I think the things we touched on, that is, that is my life. Like introvert, immigrant, woman, I, I would say I'm like the minority of the minority. There are so many things I needed to work through to really get to where I am, like feel comfortable, feeling like I'm really like enjoying my life. And I want to help others to do, to do the same. And I really appreciate like a platform like this for me to have a role for others to learn and, and bring up the awareness because I really hope that we can change the, the culture for it to be more friendly for immigrants, for introverts, and for women. No, I, 
Totally agree. I, I think what you're doing is very important. It's great. I totally support it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I can help. Even if thank one you. person watches this, get something out of it, I think that'd be great. And I'll I'm sure a lot. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you again.